Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do, okay? Stuff like that obviously can be a distraction. Um, right now, it's swirling around the back of my brain. I'm going to try to teach all while thinking, I wonder what I could have done differently. I wonder if the splitter could. So I'm going to try to teach, but here's what I want you to do. I believe that today's lesson is possibly the most important one of this series. That's the reason why we sent out a text about it at 9 o'clock this morning. Some of you are like, oh, man, Crosspoint woke me up, okay? That was the goal, all right? So that's the reason why we sent a text out about it. That's the reason why I kind of wanted to compile everything and try to have a good illustration to keep your attention. But all of those things are now gone. You've got plenty of stuff that you can focus on. For instance, the ceiling tile that is missing above my head, the bulging ceiling tile that looks like it's going to explode on my head, and many other issues. We're not going to focus on that today. We're going to focus on God and His Word. So can you help me out? Let's start with a word of prayer. Normally I read our passage and and go from there. But let's start with a word of prayer. I'm going to ask God to help me. In that moment, I want you to ask God to help you to pay attention because I think this is something that can really help you. Um, If not, we would have just shut it down and gone home. All right, so let's pray and let's ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be in class. And Lord, I know and am reminded often that this book and preaching it and teaching it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with you. And so God, the screens and illustrations and the things that we compiled to possibly enhance the lesson and enhance the series are now gone. And so God, I ask that you would help us as we should have done with all of those things to depend upon you. Lord, I pray that you would help me as I teach. Lord, you know that this is quite possibly the lesson that um, I've been looking forward to the most simply because I believe that it is the most practical and helpful. And so God, I ask that you would help us as a class to focus on you, help us to focus on your word. And God, I pray that you would help us to get something out of today's lesson and apply it to our hearts and our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. First Peter chapter number two is where we're going to be. Let's begin reading in verse number nine, okay? First Peter chapter number two, verse number nine. For those of you who are just joining us, we've been in a series entitled, Is It Well With Your Soul? So really taking the song that you just heard and asking the question. The song, the context of the song, we alluded to this in week number one, was written by a man right after he had just lost his two daughters, and he was actually going over, he just lost his business, just lost his two daughters, and was going over to meet his wife who had just seen his daughters pass away. He wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul, as he was really floating over the ocean on his way to England, he wrote that song over where his daughters most likely passed away. And he was able to say that it is well with my soul. 
And here's what happens most of the time in life, is that for whatever reason, things creep into our life and they steal from the wellness of our soul. But as a Christian, one of the things that we've repeated often throughout this series is that if the soul is important enough for God to save, important enough for Him to purchase with the blood of His Son, then it is important enough and it should be prioritized in our life to where we take care and take note of how well it is. Your soul is not your body. Your soul is not your mind. Your soul is not your will, but it does affect all three of those. So let's keep those reminders in on the back of our brain as we look at this verse. 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse 9 says this, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation of peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you, out of darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter, just as a little reminder, is written to Christians that have been scattered as a result of persecution. So these are people that have had a hard time. They've actually faced some trials as a result of their faith in God. And so he reminds them that they're chosen, that they're peculiar, that they should stand out. And then he says this in verse number 10, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Look at verse number 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Strangers and pilgrims is a reference to how we should view this present world. Okay? We're seeing it as a temporary home. We're seeing it as something that we're just passing through, as the song says. We're seeing it as something to where we're not intended to feel comfortable here. We're strangers and pilgrims. We're moving on. We're going somewhere different. So as a result of that, he says, abstain from fleshly lust. Why? Because they war against your soul. They fight against your soul. They fight against the very thing that God himself sent his son to purchase. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Today, for just the next couple of minutes, I want us to look at five enemies that fight against your soul. And here's really the whole context of this, okay? The video that I was going to show was a funny little video of, of a little kid saying someone was broke, okay? So I want you to just focus on this for just a second. Your soul is like a bank account. Okay, And most of us, like even with our physical bank account, are really good at making withdrawals, aren't we? Man, I do need a Starbucks coffee right now. I've only got $7.96 in my bank account, so I'll spend $5.76 on Starbucks coffee. Okay, We're really good at withdrawing. And the things that we're about to talk about are the very things that, if you're not careful, will deplete your soul. I believe it was week number two that I asked you, how many of you have ever felt a tiredness or a weariness that feels deeper than just something you go and take a nap and get over, okay? You've ever felt just a, man, I'm just completely exhausted. I'm worn out. It just feels like the weight of this world is, is wearing on me. I'm stressed at work. I'm stressed about my finances. I'm worried about this relationship. I've got this thing going on in my life. And if you're not careful, that weariness will begin to creep. And watch this. The weariness will become normal. It will become something to where, well, I guess this is something I'm just going to have to manage in this life. And here's what this lesson is all about. Let's look at the things that make the withdrawals. 
The same way you would if you were building a budget. Well, I know that I've got to pay rent. I know that I've got to pay my electric bill. I know that I've got to pay this. You would look at the things that you knew were the guaranteed withdrawals, wouldn't you? And these are the things that if they are present in your life, you can count on them to suck the life out of your soul. That's not to say that it changes your salvation and the eternity of your soul, but you can count on them to feel a heaviness that only God was intended to bear. And just like we talked about last week is that your soul is like a donut. Your soul is like a donut, and the only thing that fills that hole in the middle is the thing that was taken from it. And when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the relationship, the closeness, the proximity with God was pulled from it. And mankind tries to fill that with everything that we can. We try to fill it with finances. We try to fill it with success. We try to fill it with relationships. But the only thing that fills that hole is the thing that was taken from it. It's God himself. And so if we are going to fill that void, then let's look at some of the facades. Let's look at some of the the fake things that we try to fill it with that this world says it is going to withdraw from you. It's going to pull you away, but what can you do about it? So if you picked up a handout today, we've got some Bible verses on there. I encourage you to pick one of those up along as you go out simply because it's got verses on it that will hopefully help you with some of these, but it also has some questions on it that will help you identify it. the first one is this. What are the things, what are the enemies, what, are the, what fights against my soul? First of all, your sin fights against your soul. Your sin fights against your soul. We already did a whole lesson on this, so I'm not going to take a lot of time on it. But when sin is present in your life, and I want you to listen to this, when sin is, and I don't I want to say present because obviously we know that we're all sinners, okay? But when sin has not been rooted out of your life as a child of God, Sin and God's presence cannot dwell together in unity. Okay? 1 John talks about how that God is light and there is no darkness at all, which means that if light and dark cannot dwell in the same room together, then God and sin cannot dwell in the same life together. I understand that right now it's a big thing in the world to say, well, I've got liberty and I've got freedom and my sins have been forgiven, and you are 100% correct in all of that. But Romans chapter number 6, verse 1 says that not to use our grace. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So basically what, he, what Paul's saying is you're going to keep sinning just so that you can say, oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, look how good it is to me, Okay. That's not the point. Grace is there to provide us a means of forgiveness when we sin, but it is also there to teach us and to grow us and to help us learn how to have victory over our sin. And if you're not careful, you will just become content living in sin, living in, having something in your life that you know is going to steal away from the presence of God. And here's what we'll talk about next week. We'll actually talk about the needs of your soul. And what you need to understand is that your soul needs God, not just for salvation, not just for eternity, but for your day-to-day reality. And if sin is there, I want you to catch this. If sin dwells in your soul, if you have known sin in your life, then watch this. I promise you, that you cannot have the presence in a close relationship with God. You just can't. 
You can have the forgiveness of your sin. You can have eternity in heaven, but you will not have fellowship and relationship with God. That's literally what the whole book of 1 John really talks about. And so if you say, man, I'm just feeling this, especially as a child of God, I'm just feeling this heaviness, I'm feeling this burden in my soul, I'm feeling it, it's, it's deeper, then evaluate your sin. What is it that the Holy Spirit has convicted you of that you say, I need to get this right, I need to get this fixed, I need to get this changed in my life. So first of all, your sin, and you've got some verses there on your handout. But then secondly, I want you to notice this, your desires. Your desires will fight your soul, and here's why. Most of what you desire in this life is not dictated by what God's will is for your life, but what everything else around you says that you need. Am I right? Okay. Most of us don't wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what kind of car would you have me to drive today? Okay. Lord, what kind of... I'm getting ready to go to the Verizon store and spend hundreds of dollars. What kind of iPhone would you like for me to buy today? Would you like for me to steward my money wisely and get the iPhone 4G old one that doesn't even have the home button and I actually have I, 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 I can't look at it and have a face ID recognize me and so now I actually have to click the button and put in a password would you rather me go get that one or would you rather me go get the latest greatest XR that has a really cool or XR is not even the latest greatest one okay whatever we're on like iPhone 17 okay but would you rather me have that one because it has a really cool commercial and my friend has it, it has a really cool camera and it'll really up my Instagram game right we base what we desire in this life not off of what God wants for us, but really what the world says that we need. Well, my car looks old. It looks trashy, so I need a new one. This is, this is what's going on. We never wake up and say, this is what God wants from me today. And so because of this, your desires will eventually turn into stress, which is our third thought. Your desires lead to your stress. I want you to think about this for just a second. And I want you to listen to this question. I was actually thinking this morning when I was getting ready for church, how much of church do we not pay attention to? How much do we just sit there and it's almost like the, like the show's over, boop, turned it off, okay? So I want you to listen to this question. What are the things that stressed you out the most in your life this week? What are the things that bothered you? What are the things that made you angry? And were any of those things the result of God? Because let's just be point blank honest, okay? I'll start since I'm the one that has to talk, okay? The things that bothered me this week were things that I didn't get done that I thought that I should have. Things that I didn't get to tell someone that I thought that I needed to tell them. Things that I spent money on that I was like, oh, I wish I could have spent money on this and not on that. I want this, I don't want that, and so now I'm bothered because now i got to save up and spend money on, on what, save up for something that I want. Stressed out because something wasn't right with a relationship. Stressed out because I didn't get something accomplished that I thought would, would help me. Very few of the things that bother us the most in our life are things that have to do with God. 
Most of us aren't really stressed out about giving more money to God, are we? You probably don't write your tithe check or write an offering to the church and, God, I just wish so badly that I could give you more. I'm just so stressed out about it. It just really bothers me. That's not what we do, huh? Most of us don't close our Bibles after reading them maybe in the morning and say, God, it just really has bothered me all day this week that I haven't been able to spend more than 30 minutes with you. And I, no, what are we stressed out about? I didn't get invited to go kayaking. I didn't, I didn't get to go do this. I, I, didn't get to, I didn't get to have fun here. I didn't get to spend money on what I want. I didn't, we never get stressed out about what God wants for our life. We only get stressed out about what we want and what we desire. And that is a sickness of the soul. That is a sign that we are not meant for this world. Okay? If nothing in this world can satisfy you, C.S. Lewis said this much better than I ever will, but if nothing in this world can satisfy you, then it could mean that you weren't meant for this world. Which means that you can have millions of dollars in the bank, and guess what? You'll want billions of dollars. Which means that you can go and get a new car, and you'll want a different car. Which means that you can go and get iPhone 29, and you'll want iPhone 30, okay? Because nothing in this world will satisfy because you weren't intended to be fulfilled by this world. And so rather than letting your desires lead to stress, why don't we just say, God, I'm desiring you, and now I'm letting the stress of this life roll off. Philippians chapter number 4 is the verse you've got in your handout, and it talks about how that we should be careful for nothing. We should stress, we should fret, we shouldn't be anxious for anything in this life. Because why? We have a God that we can take our cares to, and the peace of God, verse number 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Not what you have, not what you possess, but the peace of God. So first of all, your sin fights your soul. Your desires, what you want out of this life, your stress fights your soul. But then fourthly is your relationships fight your soul. Your relationships fight your soul. I want you to think for just a second about what you would consider a problem in your life, okay? A struggle in your life. Does it have anything to do with your sin? Chances are there's probably some in the room that some of the struggles in your life are a byproduct or a consequence of sin. Chances are some of the problems that are struggles that you face in this life are a result of what you're desiring. Let me just tell you that the older I get and the more that I consume and the more that I have, the less I want, okay? The more that I just want the stuff that I have to work, okay? So that I don't have to go and get something new or newer or somewhat less older or whatever, okay? I just want what I have to work. So your desires often dictate your stress. But let's just be honest. A lot of the struggles that you're facing in this life of the people in this room are a result of your relationships, good or bad. I've got problems going on in my family. I want those fixed. I've got problems going on with a boyfriend or with a girlfriend, and I want that fixed. I don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and I want that fixed, okay? It can be a multitude of things. Your relationships are intended to be something that adds joy to your soul, not robs it. 
And watch this. I want you to listen to this. We're actually in a series about this in Collegians for Christ. The only way that that happens is if you stop looking for something that is only intended to be filled by God to be filled by someone else. When I wake up in the morning, there are three blessings staring me in the face. My wife, my son, my daughter, and eventually another daughter, okay? So eventually four. But they are not responsible for my joy. They are not intended, God gave them to me as a blessing, as a cherry on top, as just the tip of the iceberg of my joy. But they should not wake up and say, all right, Braxton, Baylor, and Lauren reporting for duty to make Joel happy today. No. Joel Norse and God are responsible for that. And sometimes the stress that comes from relationships is because you're counting on whoever that person is in your life, whether it be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a mom, a dad, whoever, to be responsible for something for that hole in your soul that only God was intended to fill. You're wanting them to make you feel feel great about yourself. You're wanting them to say, oh, you got this, you, you go get it. And here's what God's saying. I offer all that. I offer you joy, I offer you peace, I offer you hope, and instead of finding it in me, you're counting on some person who's going to let you down nine out of ten times. Stop counting on your relationships to fill the void in your soul that only God was intended to fill. And instead, let every good thing that comes out of them say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you provided in my life to be my, my mate. Thank you for every gift that comes that I get to enjoy with someone. Instead of when you pull out Instagram, it's, oh, they went and did something without me again? I think I alluded to this a couple weeks ago. So that's when you comment, hope you had fun. And it's like with the little smiley face, but really underneath it's the, that face, okay? Like, hope you had fun. You're wanting them to know, hey, I'm counting on you to fill a void in my life. And so now when you didn't do it, now, I, now I'm mad at you. Now I've lost joy because you didn't provide it to me. When wouldn't it be nice to wake up in the morning and be, have your joy found in Jesus Christ so that when you check Instagram, oh, my friend's got to go kayaking. Which, by the way, I don't know if we'll ever get there. I don't know why kayaking's in my brain today either. And I'm so glad that they got to do that. Look, my friend got a new car. That's exciting. Instead of, oh, my friend got a new car. Your relationships should add to the joy that is already found in Christ. Not replace it or be solely responsible for it. And then lastly is this, and I want to spend the rest of our time here. I think that this is possibly the greatest thing that dictates the enemy and fights on our soul. And that is your pace. Your pace. I want to talk to you about this just heart to heart, person to person, young adult to young adult. I've often said in this class that I'm maybe, the only reason that I enjoy teaching is because I'm maybe a few steps down the road from you, and hopefully I can get you to not make the same mistakes that I made just a couple steps ahead. We live in a society that tells us 
that you always need more, don't we? That's literally, if you go and you study some of the effects of society that are happening right now, it's the result of just constantly needing more and making that more about myself. Well, my, I need my candidate to get in because my candidate's going to make sure that I'm allowed to do this. And if not, well, then I'm going to pitch a fit and riot, okay? That's literally where we're at right now in the world. I need more because if I had more, I would be able to do this. If I had this house, I would be able to remodel it like Chip and Joanna Gaines. That is overrated. I've tried it, and I still don't even have our electrical outlets in, okay? If I had this, then I'd be able to do this. If I had this job, then I'd be able to do this. If I had, And so what do we do? We spend our life chasing more. Well, I'm going to work hard so that I can get a promotion. Watch this. There's nothing wrong with that, but what about working hard because you're a representation of Jesus Christ? Do you see how we've bought into the American dream of saying, well, I have to do this because it's what gets me to here, and if I'm not here, then I'm behind. And watch. I want you to listen to this because I firmly believe this is where young adults can get it right and right the ship if we, if we figure this out. If you gain everything in this world and never experience the abundant Christian life, I would argue that you have completely missed the point of salvation here on this earth. You've used salvation as something that keeps you out of hell and gets you into heaven, and you've dealt with the same stress as everybody else. You've dealt with the same relationship problems as everybody else. You've woken up and you've, you've conquered everything that everyone else tells you to conquer. But you've missed God. And can I tell you a verse that it almost seems like this time of year just beats me over the head is Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Not be hurried and know that I am God. Not keep up with the rat race and know that I am God. Not do stuff as fast as you can and as impatiently as you can and know that I am God. No, be still. And let's just be honest, we're really bad at stillness, aren't we? Because why? We sit down to read our Bible and, oh, man, I haven't checked Facebook in a long time. I haven't checked Instagram. Oh, got a text. Sometimes we can't even sit alone with God for more than 10 to 15 minutes. And it's because we live this life in such a hurry. And can, I, can I shoot you straight? In my life, the moments that I'm at my worst are the moments that I'm the most rushed. You guys have probably seen me in the hallway on Sunday. Sundays are like, it's nutty around here, okay? Exhibit A, we have five ceiling tiles and no TVs, okay? So if I see you in the hallway, you know what I'm going to say? Hey, good to see you, because I know I'm supposed to be friendly. Hey, good to see you. Great to, great to have you. So good to have you at church. How's things going for you? That question does actually not mean how are things going for you. And so you know what? There's some church members, when I see them, they're like, well, you know, and I'm like, oh, that was so dumb. 
Because why? At that moment, because I'm in a hurry to do something that I think matters, I'm willing to sacrifice a personal relationship where someone's possibly about to open up to me and share a prayer request. I'm willing to sacrifice that. Why? Because I'm in a hurry. If I'm in a hurry to get out the door, guess what? It's not sweet daddy voice with my kids, with my, like, hey, we got to go. All right. Even with Braxton this morning, he was just dinking around and it was driving me crazy. Okay. And I'm like, Braxton, like it's over. Okay. I, 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 we got to go. Like it's time to put clothes on. It's time to get your hair fixed. Like, let's go. And he's just like chasing the bird, the birds around. I don't know what he was doing. Okay. But I am not at my best when I'm in a hurry. I don't think that most of us would say, you know what, I really produce the fruit of the Spirit great when I'm in a hurry, right? Love, joy, peace, like that all just exudes me when I'm in a really great mood and I'm like walking fast. So slow down. If that is an enemy of your soul, if that is something that is going to rob you from the presence of God, slow down which means that it may be one Saturday when you actually get invited to go kayaking, but you haven't spent time with God all week and you've been rushed and you've been in a hurry. Guess what? It's okay to say, you know what? I need to find my sufficiency in Christ and not just in having fun and, and in doing something with people that I love. I need to find that in God. That's okay. It may mean that you need to say, hey, you know what, rather than waking up 30 minutes early and throwing my work clothes on and rushing out the door and trying to pull up a, a Bible devotion or a Bible podcast on my way to work, I'm actually going to wake up an hour early and spend 15, 20 minutes with God. Because we live this life in such a hurry that we require ourselves to find God in the midst of our hurry rather than sacrificing on our end and finding God in stillness. Corey Ten Boom says, said that hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Which means that you cannot produce the abundant Christian life quickly. And sometimes, here's what we want. God, you know I'm busy. God, you know I'm stressed. God, you know I'm tired. God, you know I'm worried. God, you know this. God, you know that. And so I'm just going to need you to step in and fix it whenever you get a chance. I'm going to keep doing my thing rather than saying, God, let me hit the pause button for just a second and find you in the midst of this chaos. Let me stop and seek you rather than you trying to get my attention in the midst of my hurry and in the midst of my pace. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.